Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, chapter seven, working with others, and we're on page 90, the third paragraph, and sometimes it is wise to wait until um, it goes on a binge, ending with, be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you, reading that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Deborah S., the 12 traditions, Joni C., and reading the text are Susan S.H. and Loretta H. and Martha Z.'s our backup. The newcomer greeter is Reva P., and the host of the second hour is Chris G. The reference numbers for Wednesday, June 28, 2023, 7 a.m. meeting is 20,391, that's 20391, and for the 10 a.m. meeting is 20,396, that's 20396. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Devorah S. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning. This is Devorah S. from New Jersey, recovered. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry the message to this. We try to carry this message to, to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
thank you for the opportunity and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Devorah. Okay, I will now ask Joni C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, this is Joni C., uh, a compulsive overeater from Minnesota. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to principles before personalities. Thank you, Joni. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book and we're on page 90, the third paragraph. Sometimes it is wise ending with talk to him if he cares to, reading that one paragraph. And I will ask Susan S.H. to begin reading. Good morning. 
Thank you, Katie. This is Susan S.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio, St. Mary's, Ohio. Sometimes it is wise to wait until he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, as a part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. And waiting for a binge. Um, The truth is I cannot say I've, I've planned it for someone else that way, but my experience tells me that that was exactly what I needed. Um, myself. <clears throat> when things were going well, why would I change everything? <laughs> I wouldn't. I started um, attending meetings, face-to-face meetings, on a low point, but I couldn't quite cross over. So a year and a half was spent going to meetings and hoping I would catch whatever was going around and um, grasping my agnosticism. Nobody's going to tell me what I have to believe. (laughs) And gaining 20 more pounds. And then a final, I hope, God, a final terrible binge. Um, I finally was able to give up. Not knowing really what to do, I mustered my courage. I had been listening to this meeting, and I gave my name as a newcomer. Uh, And that was a fearsome thing for me to do. I did not want lots of people calling me, but... Within a few days, I found a sponsor. I found well, I don't know what I wrote there. That's weird. <laughs> with, with the guidance of my sponsor, I found um, I could work the steps quickly. I could take my agnosticism piecemeal and just keep an open mind and this and I I can eventually I was launched into the most exciting adventure of my life which I'm still enjoying which I'm still working because it works for me um, life is good but I had to have that bottom I had to have that desperation to really give myself to the program. So that's what I get from the paragraph. That's as close as my experience comes to it. And uh, thank you for listening. I look forward to hearing more shares on this. And I pass. Well, thank you, Susan S.H., for getting us started. Okay, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on the third paragraph on page 90? Rachel K. Janet A. Janet B. I got you, Janet. Claire E. from Reva P. Okay, Claire E. I got you, Reva. My pen pencil broke right when I started. Okay, anyone else in this first lineup? Ken W.H. Ken W.H. 
Leah, Leah S. I got you, Leah. Thank you. Okay. Okay, well, let's go with that. We have Rachel K., Janet B., Reba P., Claire E., Ken W. H., and Leah S. Go ahead, please, Rachel. Thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Indiana. And this paragraph reminds me that I do not have the right to keep somebody from hitting their absolute bottom. Um, and that's hard because, you know, I don't want people to suffer and I want to rescue everybody, of course, because, you know, it's all about me and me rescuing people wrong. Um, you know, it's God. And so if I am hanging on to a sponsee and um, uh, that, you know, is kind of not really willing to go to any lengths, um, then, you know, sometimes I have to let go and let someone get, you know, like it says, sometimes it's best to wait until, you know, he goes on a binge. Um, I have to let somebody reach their bottom because for me, I had to, and I thought I had reached my bottom lots of times. You know, I was fired from jobs and I thought, well, surely, surely this is my bottom. I mean, it can't get any lower than this. Well, yeah, it can, it can get pretty low. Um, but, uh, and, and also when it says, you know, wait for a lucid interval, food is an intoxicant for me. Um, it is an addictive, in, uh, in, addictive intoxicant. Otherwise, you know, I would go to Weight Watchers and I would have lost the weight and that would be it. So while it, you know, might be best to wait till somebody has reached their bottom, they at least have to be, um, you know, half detoxed from the food. Um, and it took me quite a while to completely detox. But if I'm talking to somebody mid-binge, they're, they're still drunk. Um, they're still intoxicated by the food. So I at least have to wait. Um, until they are lucid. Um, the other thing that stuck out to me in this was any extreme. We talk about going to any length, but I love the, you know, well, <laughs> extreme wording of this, any extreme. Because when you think about what we do, it's pretty extreme. You know, weighing and measuring my food, normal people don't do that. <laughs> you know, they go to Subway and they pick up a sandwich and they eat it. But, you know, I, for me, I need to put my food on a scale or in a cup or whatever. Um, I need to work these steps, you know. Um, I need to turn my will and my life over to God. You know, all these seemingly, they don't seem extreme to me now, but, but pretty extreme things. I have to be willing to go to extremes. Um, and if I am not really suffering, if I have not hit my bottom, why would I be willing to do all these things? So I just, I, I like that wording, you know, what, what am I not willing to do? Pretty much nothing, you know, don't ask me to commit a crime. Um, but pretty much anything other than that, uh, you know, I've got to be willing to do. Thank you. And I pass. Okay, thank you, Rachel K. Janet B., you're up, followed by Reba P. Good morning. This is Janet B., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New Jersey. Wait for the end of the spree. Well, my life was one continuous spree before I recovered, um, even my first six and a half years of, in Overeaters Anonymous. 
binges, sprees, you name it, they kept happening. I couldn't get better. Um, but this one particular spree, I was waiting to go to a meeting. I was at a friend's house and shoving bagel chips down my throat behind a locked bathroom door. That was quite a spree. Um, and then I went to a meeting. And at that point, um, I was just desperate. So at the end of that spree, um, because I was so desperate, when I heard the message, and I was at a meeting where lots of people were talking recovery, I went up to the toughest person I knew and said, will you help me? And I was asked the standard question, what are you willing to do, or some form of that, and it was anything. And that sponsor told me that they got um, an intuitive thought to make it difficult for me. So um, it was, you know, willing to go to any length. I was put to the test there. Um, I lived in New York City at the time, and everyone else got to call in their food. I didn't. I had to keep no food in my house, only enough for one day, and go to my food sponsor's house in the morning and show her all my food. And then it took me three subway rides to get to work. And I was doing social work, so my job was all over Manhattan. So I carried my food, my vegetables in a can with a can opener all around Manhattan. And it didn't occur to me to say no. Um, I was just so grateful someone was willing to help me. I was also told one other thing. I was told I had to become rigorously honest. Thank God, because what I've learned since then is that if I'm dishonest, it's like I have a big keep out God sign across my heart. God won't come in when there's dishonesty. And I left that meeting and I went to the parking lot and I said a prayer. And I said, God, I've always had fixed ideas about what you're like and how to worship you. I'm willing to admit it's all wrong and let you show me what you're like and how to worship you. And I set out being honest and helping others. And that night after that last spree, it was like a hand reached into my soul and yanked out the obsession because um, I heard this beautiful saying, willingness allows grace to enter. And because my sprees were so bad and because I heard a real message of a God who loves me and who would heal me and remove this obsession, and I agreed to work it, um, the grace of God came in and expelled that obsession. And I'm so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet B. Okay. Reva P., you're up, followed by Claire E. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I noticed this morning that the word wait is written twice, like wait, wait. And, and that's probably the last thing um, I'm, I tend to do when I feel like I need to do something. Um, so it's just a great reminder when I'm working with others or trying to be helpful, um, wait and ask God for the right time. And sometimes it's the right thing to wait. Sometimes it's not. Um, and I find it so cool, you know, how sometimes, you know, somebody happens to call me at exactly the right moment, or I do the same, because we just get this sense of timing. Um, so to go in with God, um, and I know for myself, um, there is no way, there is no way that doctor who carried the message um, that I would have been receptive before 
my binge, that last binge. Um, it, you know, the feeling before a binge, it's almost like a train speeding at a thousand miles an hour, like nothing would stop me. But after, when I'm, I don't know if I was lucid, but you know, just the remorse, shame and how crappy I felt, I was definitely more receptive. Um, and I always love this, you know, if he wants to quit, not just quit, but quit for good. There's a difference. Um, you know, do I want to just quit for a day for the wedding, for the event, for the holiday, or do I want to quit for good? And, and there's the word and, because I need both. Am I willing to go to any lengths? Am I willing to go to any extreme? Because there are a lot of us, you know, who want to quit, but am I willing to go to any lengths? And for me, that applies not just to the food when it comes to character defects. Do I want to give them up? Do I want to give them up for good? Am I willing to go to any extreme? Am I willing to be quiet instead of rushing in um, and saying the wrong thing yet again? Um, yeah, so I need both. Um, and I love this reminder, I'm trying, trying to be helpful. Um, the outcome is not up to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, Claire E, you're up, followed by Ken WH. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, everybody that does service. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Cornwall in the UK. And um, it makes me feel just a little bit emotional, actually, this paragraph, because it takes me right back to um, the, the, the sort of point I came back into the fellowship um, in October 2017. And um, oh, uh, it was a long story short, but essentially um, I got a call from somebody who'd spoken to somebody who'd spoken to somebody it was and, and I, I really believe this was my higher power reaching out to me and she called me um on the back of this massive binge you know and I was literally in my cups and I got this phone call from a woman and I am so grateful because she 12 stepped me pretty much word for word every word that this this chapter is about and I only realized that really when I studied the chapter at a later date and you know, I, I don't know if I was lucid or not. I was lucid enough to recognize that this woman was well and I wasn't and that she was offering me something and I would be an absolute idiot not to not to take the opportunity. Um, and I think on the next page, you know, it says, you know, page 91, it says call on him while he's still jittery. He might be more receptive. You know, I needed because of the nature of my illness. And I love this well-known stages of a spree. It takes me back to the doctor's opinion, because what happens to me is I merge remorseful. I feel awful. But that doesn't last for very long. You know, I get 24 hours behind me and I'm good again. Start eating again. So there's a very, very limited window when I was in the food where I was receptive. And she absolutely hit it. And that was a good job for me as far as I was concerned. And I heard that message. I heard that she was well. And I remember her saying to me, I'm going to throw you a lifeline. I remember those words. She said, if you want to call me again tomorrow, you know, if you can stay out of the food and call me tomorrow morning, I'm really happy to talk to you again. And it just felt like this absolute opportunity. And, you know, the extreme I had to go to was not eating that night, which was hard, you know, at that point, because I was in the food pretty much 24 um, seven. But I was willing and I love that willingness allows grace to enter. I was willing because I had this sort of hope, this hope that maybe just maybe this was something that I could do. Um, and so, you know, that's that's what I aspire to do with others. And as other people have said, when I'm working with other people, I don't, I don't try to interfere with somebody's relapses. You know, I know that I needed every single relapse that I have 
had in my life to learn the lessons and to be jittery and receptive um you know I, I, I and 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 I you know I I don't I believed when I was in the food as well I had a higher power it was food I wasn't interested in anyone else's solution I was only interested in those points where I was desperate and and wanting something different and those are the opportunities you know for for God to enter for for the program to be you know received um and so that's what I try and do when I'm working with others and um yeah with that I will pass thank you so much Okay, thank you so much, Claire E. Ken WH, you're up, followed by Leah F. Good morning, Katie. This is Ken WH. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning to all. Recovered compulsive overeater from North Carolina. Um, I guess the word that sticks out for me is uh, that it says a person who has recovered. Um, that's um it's again and it talks about being drawn to a person who has recovered and that's uh, what i try to be um a recovered person who draws folk uh, to at least ask questions and and to approach uh, the possibility that something new can take place in their lives um I this is a hard paragraph. I guess it's the tough love paragraph to to even think about letting someone go long enough to go <laughs> make themselves sick. Err, uh, again, is a tough one. Um, I I want to <laughs> I want to stop that, and uh, <clears throat> and I know sometimes I got to let people go and just let them. Uh, do what they need to do to, to get to that bottom. I had to be let go to get to my bottom as well. But is that it's a tough paragraph for me to read. Um, it, it, it seems a little heartless uh, to some degree, but I understand it. The thing that that strikes me as really difficult in this paragraph is getting into the business of deciding whether or not somebody's dangerous. To themselves or to others, um, I'm not particularly called to that <laughs> to discern that. Um, I got to be careful about getting myself triangulated, if you will, into a, a dangerous situation. I think what it's asking me to do is just to provide refuge for those who who may be uh, physically affected by someone's rage or whatever else is going on. So I just need to provide a way uh, a way out for folks and just to simply care and offer a place of care, a place of refuge. Um, I'm not there to intervene in a violent episode. Um, that's pretty dangerous stuff. So anyway, um, that's probably all I have to say. I'm just so grateful to be among y'all. Take care. Pass. Thank you, Ken WH. Um, and now we'll have Leah S. And before you start, Leah, let me just let people know that we are on page um, 90, the third paragraph. Sometimes it is wise to wait, reading through that full paragraph, ending, him, ending with talk to him if he cares to see you. Okay, go ahead, Leah S. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Leah S. Um, from upstate New York at this time. 
So um, it says, if he says yes, his attention, his attention is drawn to someone who has recovered. Um, in my recovery, I needed to change. I needed to do things in a different perspective because, frankly, I'll be very honest with you guys, I didn't know what breakfast, lunch, or dinner meant. I, my mouth was constantly going, and um, I needed to change. I needed to change a lot of things, and slowly but surely, I changed. And one of the things that I do is volunteer work, and I go out, and I, my, in other words, people get my attention because they say, what did you do to yourself, Leah? What did you do? And I, and that's how I 12-step. But I also um, do my volunteer work for the for those who are homebound and um, and 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 in 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 going to a certain person and that person is just slicing another piece of whatever they're eating and saying so tell me more about how you did it that is not the time to be able to propose how to do it or what to do it that is the time to ask God to know how to say the right things. And um, sometimes I am able to say, you know what, I just put the fork down and I wasn't going to kill myself with that knife and fork. I wasn't going to do that because I'm doing so many other things that are, are, are so satisfying and they, are just, um, they just keep me going. They keep me going, and there's no thought in my mind, thank you, God, today and yesterday, that I should um, take that, that, that sugar or that flour to really kill myself. And I mean it, and I feel it, and I guess that's what's coming through so that I'm able to, um, to be an attraction um, um, to those that would want to uh, join this program and with that I will pass thank you so much um, Leah S okay so again if we value your experience but we ask that you only share every third day so who else would like to share on this third paragraph on page 90 Christina J Christina J Abby R. Abby R. Devorah S. Devorah S. Time for plenty more. Star one to unmute. Okay, let's go with this. Um, Christina J, Abby R, and Devorah F. Go ahead, please, Christina. Good morning, Christina J, North Carolina, recovering today. Um, oh, man, I just want to say that I'm learning about shame. I've been learning about shame and all the different faces of shame. And 
I am so grateful for this meeting because through the years, I've had various levels of shame in my sharing because I've had cycles of relapse. And hearing the people today talk about their relapses and what it took for them to come back, and, you know, it's just we need no shame. We have a disease. Like many people share when we have cancer, are we ashamed? No, I'm not ashamed. I have a disease that came on me. I was born with a disease of compulsive overeating. And I was also born with an emotional, um, I was born into an emotional set of bad circumstances. Maybe not bad. They were for my training and they still are today, by God. They're bigger than ever. But when I put the food down, there they are. Uh, and one of them is shame. So I used to be deathly afraid to share on the line, even though I sounded like maybe I was confident. I was just sharing away. Like I was confident, but I was shaking inside. When I got done, I wanted to call people and say, how was it? Did I do okay? Did I say something funny? Are people on the line going to judge me? On and on and on, right? So I'm so grateful there's no shame. And in this paragraph, it's okay. You need to go back out, keep eating, to learn, to grow. It's okay. I don't like it. I mean, I've had some bad relapses in the last six months. It's horrible. The self-loathing, the uh, guilt, the um, just the, the physical pain of it all. But it brings me to where I need to come to. So if somebody has to let you go, it's okay. Um, you know, and to be, you know, big, really honest, um, the sugar's down for me. But I've got volume eating issues I'm dealing with. And I, I, want gratif- I want gratification right away. So if I'm feeling uncomfortable, I want to stuff something in my face, you know. And uh, thank God I don't have cravings. I don't have cravings for sugar or any of that. But I just want to keep eating. So that's a form of the disease. That's volume eating is a form of the disease. And uh, today, uh, I've been working on this all week. I'm going to make a commitment to make it to my next meal without eating my lunch ahead of time. I mean, it's, it's horrible. You know, and I have to look at that. I have to take a pause. We talk about taking emotional pauses. I have to take a pause around this volume eating. And I know many of us have it, so I'm sharing on it because we don't have to be ashamed of that either. This is a growth process, and it might take me the rest of my life, but by God, I want to die and be out of a lot of my shame that came from a lot of things in my life. I'm working on it, but it's amazing. It's amazing what this shame does to us. It's hidden. It's hidden deep inside, and um, it's kind of a topic outside this paragraph, but sponsor, you know, we want to help people. We want to give them immediate gratification of recovery, (laughs) and I can't do that for my people. Time, please. Be gentle and loving and say, it's okay if you need to go eat. I'll be here when you get back. Or maybe you'll find someone else. Love you guys. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Christina. Abby R., you're up, followed by Deborah S. Hi, I'm Abby R. from New York. Um, just want to make sure you can hear me. This is the first time I'm sharing. You're a little bit, um, you're a little bit muffled and soft. Okay, thank you. I'm going to not do it this way. Is that much better? Much better. Thank you. Okay. All right, thanks. I'm Abby R. from New York. I'm about a half a day abstinent, maybe. I just, um, I'm new to a vision, and um, I've been listening to special editions um, for a few weeks now, and I, um, I just asked someone to be my sponsor the other day. And the word extreme is... Um, is no joke. Um, I'm being asked to do very extreme things, um, 
but I have no choice. It's not, um, I just, I can't do it my way anymore or even um, a ways way, the way that I had been in a way. Um, the big book is where the answer is. And I think I always knew that deep down, but the amount of discipline and prayer and turning over my will is, um, I don't think I ever really until now fully understand how much of that is necessary in order to gain what I hear all of you guys um, or some of you guys um, have, which sounds beautiful because to live um, without constantly thinking about food and constantly re you know, promising myself it'll be different this time is a way that I want to live. Um, I live a double life. Um, if you met me on the street, you would never know. Um, but it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. So thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you. Welcome, Abby. Okay, Deborah S., you're up. And then we'll have time for several more. Good morning, Vision for You, and, and welcome, everyone, um, all the newcomers. My name is Deborah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, a miracle for today. Um, you know, this person who we're describing over here this, in, the, in, in this paragraph, you know, the one who is so, you know, reaching his bottom, to me, that's like a, a very good place to be, you know, so far gone that when you say to him, are you willing to go to any length? Are you willing to go to any extreme um, to get better? You know, this is, this is, this is the time. Um, because I remember um, when my sponsor said that to me, Will you go, are you willing to go to any length? And I said to myself, if she asks me to eat hay, three times a day, I'll say yes, because that's how desperate I was to get better. I was so sick and tired that I felt I was in this dark, dark, dark pit and trying to climb out of it and, and to see the light. You know, it's a miserable place to be, so lonely and it's so, um, you know, in pain, so much emotional pain, physical pain. And uh, you feel abandoned from everyone and, and no one understands. No one understands. When this person said to me, you know, I've been there. I can help you. You can get out of it. There's hope here. You know, that, that shed light on me. And I said, if, I said, if this person could do it, you know, I, I remember seeing a person who was coming to meetings day in and, you know, week after week. She was 180 pounds in program and she was this cute little thing in a pair of tight jeans, and I said, wow, I had that image. If she could do it, I could do it. Like, why not? That gave me so much hope, you know, just the physical hope that I could do it. And then, you know, as I came in and started working the program, and, you know, God was doing for me, you know, the obsession was lifted, and, you know, thank God I, I, I was able to go from one meal to the next without thinking about food and, and just to, to, to be available and to turn to God throughout the day and, and to know that, you know, I'm not alone here. You know, God is giving me this. What a precious gift that I, that I can do today. And then to pass it on to other people, you know, to share my experience, strength, and hope with others. 
that is the greatest gift ever. So my 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 all my pain and suffering is useful, you know, now when I'm working with other people because and then people tell me their story, you know, it just rekindles. I can say, Yes, I remember that. Thank you. You know, and that's that's why I need to work with other people because it keeps my memory green. It's so easy for me to forget. It's so easy for me to get into that to that comfort zone of, oh, I got this thing. I got it. I'm okay now, you know? But working with other people and 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 hearing their struggles, you know, I it it, it makes me keep on the straight and narrow. And um and able to share what works for me and how time please. Ahead. And I'm just so grateful for this opportunity and thank you and I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, we have um fifteen more minutes so we could have another group uh to share on the third paragraph on page ninety. Sometimes it is wise. So if you haven't shared in the last two days, who would like to share? Carmela G. Linda D. Linda D. Carmela. Linda D. Jessica C. Jessica C. Pete B. Pete B. I could take one more. Okay, we'll go start with this group and see where we end up. Carmela G, Linda D, Jessica C, and Pete B. Go ahead, please, Carmela. Thank you so much. Carmela G, gratefully recovered for this moment from New York. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. Um, I found that when I came into program and Abstinence was a gift. The loss of 175 pounds was another gift. But the bigger gift was my relationship with God. The peace, the love, the joy that I thought I had in my life and disease. But in program, abstinent, living, giving up food that was destroying me um, and not resenting it, just wanting to do it for that peace and joy. I wanted everyone. So when I started sponsoring, I was like storming in. You have to, you have to. Oh, come on. Don't you want it? Because my passion was too overwhelming program over the years and soon I will have 10 years of being abstinent and walking in this life that's completely different than I did for the previous six decades. Um, I now am able to allow people to use their free will. If they choose to walk away and not be sponsored anymore, I must let them go because I am not God. They have a free will. And that is the one thing that I learned in program. Each one of us are loved by a power greater than ourselves who allows us to have a free will. 
and loves us through it. And that is how I sponsor. I need to allow my sponsees, if they so choose, to walk and do what they choose to do, even if it's destructive and that is their choice and I am not their higher power. I must constantly remember that. And thank you so much for allowing me to share. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Carmela. Okay, Linda D, you're up, followed by Jessica C. Good morning, everybody. This is Linda D from Connecticut, and I'm very, I hope, humbled by all of the shares that I hear, the incredible honesty that saves lives. Um, The only thing that I'm so grateful to be recovered, I mean, it's a miracle that I'm even alive. Where to begin? Helping people. I can only help people by what I am. I have to have a relationship with God to, to to have something to offer. That's the bottom line. This isn't a garden party. This isn't a second-rate addiction. This is an addiction. It kills. It kills, of course, physically. There are things I'm allergic to. It's, but it's very important. It took me a really long time to understand that I cannot outgrow my childhood without doing this work, the work of the steps with all of you, line by line, in a fantastic meeting like this one. This is an amazing renaissance of recovery. It never existed most of my life. It's only 10 or so years old, and so am I. I think the thing is, I won't outgrow any of this without doing the work, and it a relapse comes in many, many ways. I have to save my life by cooperating with a higher power that I call God. I have to have an intimate relationship. There's no bullshit about it. Sorry for the swearing, but I don't know what else you call it. Because, you know, I'm self-destructive. That's why I'm here. I'm self-destructive with food. And if I put that food down, which I have done, I put that food down and keep it down, which is a big deal, then I'm facing all these feelings from childhood, a very traumatic childhood. Most people have had that, of neglect, of abuse. I may need extra help. I may need actually to have a therapist to drain off uh, the, uh, to accompany me in my journey. Lots of people need that. There's no shame in that. I just don't want to die. I don't want to die in an ugly way. I want to live in a beautiful way. And I live in a beautiful way. La, la, la. No. It's not la, la, la. It's life. It's hard stuff. Hard stuff. Unless you're incredibly wealthy, I don't know, or a celebrity with no problems. I mean, where does that exist? Here is the answer to me, for me. I do not have to hurt myself. Fine, please. And with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Linda D. Jessica C., you're up, followed by Pete B. Hi, this is Jessica C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ontario, Canada. Um, this paragraph reminds me of, um, uh, in you know, in 2018, after um, a few years of relapse in the food, uh, my doctor suggested that I try a medication for um, binge eating disorder. And um, I, you know, I, I I wasn't sure what to do. I, I talked to some people in the program and this one recovered person said to me, she said, yeah, maybe try it. Maybe it will work for you. Um, but if it doesn't, you can always call me. And so I decided to um, try this medication. It immediately became a whole other problem for me, something I else I became addicted to because it was an amphetamine medication. And, um, you know, I continued, while I was abusing that medication, I continued to eat compulsively. My disease definitely worsened. Um, and so when I decided I had to stop taking that medication, um, I did call that person who told me I could call them. And, uh, um, and, sh- and she became my sponsor. We went through the steps quickly, and now I've been recovered for two and a half years. Um, so I, I just, you know, there's a lot of truth in this paragraph about how that approach works for people like me um and you know now that i work with others and i sponsor people i have to be reminded of this too i definitely can become i have become more invested in someone's recovery than than they are (laughs) when they're not ready um you know at one point i was talking to a sponsee every day for half an hour in the morning and and this person was not ready and so um, yeah, I'm just, I just love the wisdom in this paragraph. Um, and, uh, it just reminds me of what works. So I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Jessica C. Okay. Pete B. You're up. Oh, and thanks, we have, we'll have time for one little share. Okay. Go ahead, Pete. Oh, thank you. Uh, my name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And uh, yeah, you know, um, in in the AA 12 and 12 under step three, it says, "So it is by circumstance rather than by any virtue that we have been driven to AA." You know, and and we talk a lot about the message and carrying the message to the next sick and suffering person. And you know, you know, my experience, and it's also been my observation, is that the message of this disease doesn't get carried by the recovering individuals. It gets carried by, you know, Ben and Jerry and little Debbie and Enthamins and, uh, you know, you know, that that's where, you know, the, the, the desperation came from being desperate from food. You know, I think the the creator's given us lots of basic instincts. Right? We, 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 have, we have an instinct to avoid pain and seek ease and comfort. It comes from the creator. It's been put in us. And unfortunately for me, I use the substance that causes the pain to give me ease and comfort. I was in, I was in, I was in insanity. 
I ate to get over my eating. And it wasn't until I finally realized after all of my attempts that nothing was going to remove it. Nothing was going to fix it. I didn't have the resources to do it, right? So it was circumstances that drove me to surrender. And, you know, the, the stories are nice and, the, the, you know, the information that we pass along is good and all fine and dandy. But it was, the, it was the avoidance of pain and then a moment of clarity, a moment of sanity realizing that this will always be the case. I'll never be able to safely use those substances that gave me such ease and comfort. And I had to find ease and comfort somewhere else. And for me, I found it in being recovered. In the merciless obsession, being removed. Walking a free man. Free of this obsession. Doing what it takes, what is necessary. Instilling discipline, right? Providing myself with what I need on a regular basis to live happy, joyous, and free. You know, so, you know, we can't deprive the sufferer from their pain. We shouldn't try to deprive the sufferer from their pain, but it might, because it might be the only asset that the sufferer has. And so when, when, when finally, when John, John Barleycorn, they say as well in the 12 and 12, that becomes our biggest advocate, then we can swoop in and we can provide them the, the, the information that we've been provided. And the message isn't, you know, the promises that'll be delivered. The message is that this is a fatal, progressive illness that only gets worse, never better. And no human power, no new meal plan or, or code of morals or better philosophy of the life will arrest. If you have this condition as described in this book, there is one that has all power. That one is God. I hope you'll find him now because what we have requires a spiritual experience to get over it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Pete. Okay, we have time for one one-minute share. Someone would like to take that opportunity. Robin, Robin L. Go ahead, Robin. Um, I'm, I'm Robin. I'm a compulsive eater. I wanted to share my hope on this paragraph. Um, it's because of this paragraph that I'm gratefully absent for five days now. Um, I'm just coming off a relapse after two years of abstinence, and um, someone found me this weekend in a lucid interval and uh, was able to show me the way forward, and I wanted to share the only thing I think that's maybe missing from this paragraph is, in addition to being willing to go to any extreme, is knowing that there is no other option. I was holding on to the possibility of surgery as a as another option, and once I had that removed from my mind as an option, being shown that if my program is working, I shouldn't need any other tools. Um, that was when I was able to then take the step to turn everything back over to my higher power and get my um, my abstinence back. So I am grateful for everyone for being here and for your service and for reading this paragraph today. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much for taking us out. Okay, so um, thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, June 29th, 7 a.m. meeting is 20,398. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Will Loretta H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Katie, and thank you all, and thank you, God, for letting me do this service this month. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation, which you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. God bless all.